Will you pray with me? Oh God, in the stillness, come meet us. Amen. Money. It's a topic that so often churches steer clear from because we don't want to reinforce the idea that all churches do is ask for money. And yet the reality is money is a huge part of our everyday lives. We can't put food on our table, shelter over our heads, have a means of transportation without money. And if the church isn't talking about money, you can believe that lending companies and payday loan advertisements and commercials are talking about money. And they're giving us visions about how we can get more money, how, can we, how we can spend money, even money that we don't even have, and what our money can buy. There's a commercial from 2010 that The Lending Tree released that sums up a situation that many of us may be able to identify with at some levels. So I want to show that commercial. You might remember it. Marquise is trying to see if they can figure out why the sound's not coming through. Just give us a minute. All right, I'm going to see if I can find the, uh, the transcript here. You remember, anybody remember it just from seeing it? Okay, here's what Stanley says. Hopefully we'll find it. All right. Stanley says something like, I'm going to paraphrase here, I'm Stanley Johnson. He's talking about how he has it all, right? He's got the house, he's got the, the new car, he's member of the golf club, he's got everything, right? And then he's smiling, he's grilling and flipping burgers, he's out there with his family by the side of their pool that's in their backyard, right? And he says, how do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. Somebody, please help me. And then, of course, Lending Tree comes on to say, do you need more money? We'll help you, right? But what, what Stanley Johnson and what many of us really need is not another loan, right? What we really need is those strategies and how we can spend within the means that we have. Um, and we need permission, in a way, to stop trying to keep up with appearances. 
According to Nerd Wallet in their uh, latest study, June of 2019, the average U.S. household owes $6,829 in credit card debt. This number represents the balance that's carried over month to month, not the balance that you might have and then pay off at the end of the month. If we are even somewhat similar to the average U.S. household, then it's time to talk money in church, right? It's time to talk money in church. And whether we like it or not, Jesus talked a lot about money. He talked about getting money, using money, storing up money, giving away money. And he talked about how our relationship with money is an indicator of our relationship with God. The story that we read from the Gospel of Luke this morning is just one example of Jesus talking about money in Scripture. And the, the version that we read is from the message paraphrase. And the title for this story and the message paraphrase is The Crooked Manager. It's a surprising story, and it's one of those stories that us preachers would rather not preach from. I didn't actually intend to preach on this passage, and then I realized I had to do it, right? So here it is. And in this particular uh, story, Jesus, he turns away from talking to the crowds, and he, he targets this particular stories at the disciples in particular. This is a lesson for those who are already committed followers of Jesus. And in this story, there is a rich man who hires a manager to manage his money. But the manager does dishonest work. He ends up running up huge personal expenses. And when the rich man figures out what is going on, he calls the crooked manager to come before him, and he lets him know that he's fired. But before the crooked manager leaves the position, he has one more trick up his sleeve. Because he knows that he will still need money. He'll still need a way to provide for his needs. And so he cooks the books, so to speak. He reduces the debt that people owed his master. This would ensure that he would have allies in the community who would take care of him and a means for money. So the expectation that I have, maybe that we have, is that the crooked manager will be condemned for what he has done. Instead, the first surprise is that when the rich man figures out what the crooked manager has done, he praises him for looking out for himself. The second surprising twist is that Jesus then tells the disciples that they are to actually be like the crooked manager. You can just imagine that they're like, what? Jesus, what? Like, did we follow the story correctly? What do you mean? Jesus goes on to explain that he wants the disciples to be street smart, wise in every possible way, especially with money. But rather than doing it for deceitful, self-serving purposes like the crooked manager did, they are to do it for what is right and good in the world. Now, John Wesley, who's known as the founder of the Methodist movement, this apparently was one of his favorite scriptures to preach from. Can you imagine that? 
In, in 17 years, from 1741 to 1758, it is believed that John Wesley preached from this text 27 times. That's more than once a year, 27 times. And at the time when John Wesley was preaching in England, the rich were getting richer, the poor were getting poorer, and John Wesley was preaching to the people who were working in the smelting factories and the metal foundries. He spent time in debtor's prison preaching. And being in the, in the debtor's prison preaching was something that was so personal to him because his own father had been thrown into debtor's prison numerous times. This was a common place for those who were struggling to get by to end up. So G, uh, John Wesley isn't preaching to the rich who are getting richer. He's preaching to the poor who are getting poorer. Now, culture in John Wesley's day and in our day sends us many messages about money. So I just want us to think for a minute, what would we say that our own culture teaches us about money? What's the message that we get from our culture? I would venture to say that our culture tells us to earn more money so that we can spend more money to make ourselves richer, which in actuality, we usually just make other people richer. That we are kind of led into the temptation of acquiring more and more stuff so that we look wealthier than we actually are, something like Stanley Johnson. We pay extra to make sure our kids are in all the important and noticeable activities. We are dis disillusioned and told that debt is a normal way to live. The world sends us the message that spending money will make us happy and fulfilled, will grant us the good life, right? That, that money will just, can you go to that next slide, Marquise? That money will just rain down from the sky, and we can just smile and be happy. But our struggle with debt in general and the statistics around credit card debt in particular tell us that we are living a different story than what our culture sends us. And the poorest people in John Wesley's day who he was preaching to, they were actually being sent a message that money was filthy, that it was something that they should not even desire, right? The irony of that. These are the people who needed money the most. And there were prop popular proverbs of the day that reinforced this message. And so when Wesley began preaching about money, his audience expected him to also say the same thing. But he didn't. Instead, he searched the scriptures and he found a different message. And the message that Wesley found in the Bible was not that money was the root of all evil, but that the love of money was the root of all evil. And Wesley deeply believed that money is one way to accomplish God's purposes in the world. And so Wesley thought it was important for Christian teaching on money to free us so that not only we can earn more, but that we can save more and we can give more for the purposes of God in the world. So Wesley liked that story about the crooked manager because he felt like it communicated that money was important and that he wanted the poorest of the poor to know 
that God wants them to be street smart with their money, just as wise as the crooked manager. He wanted England's poorest to know that money and earning money wasn't bad. That message translates for us today as well. And in order for Christians to be just as shrewd and wise and street street smart as the crooked manager, but to do it for good, Wesley taught three simple rules about money. The first one that he taught was gain all you can. Now, we don't typically say, I'm going to gain some money today, when what we really mean is earn. So I'm going to translate that into modern English and say, earn all you can. The second one was save all you can, and the third was give all you can. And so during our stewardship series over these next few weeks, we're going to cover each one of these simple rules as we begin to intentionally plan how each one of us will financially support the ministries of CHUM in the coming year. So for this first rule, earn all you can, Wesley kind of divides it into four parts. And he says that first, we have to earn all we can without getting money at the expense of our body's health. One of the Proverbs that Sherlene read for us, Proverbs 23, verses 4 through 5, speaks to this concept when it says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Be wise enough to desist. Wesley gives examples of what he means. He says that it isn't worth earning money by putting our bodies in a position that impairs our bodies or hurts them in any way. And he makes the distinction, he says that some jobs are absolutely harmful to everyone's bodies. Things like jobs that require you to deal with arsenic or other hurtful minerals or jobs that require breathing in air that is tainted with steams of melting lead. He says these are not worth the harm that they will cause your body or the money that you earn. On the other hand, he says that there are some jobs that that are okay for some people, but that other people shouldn't do because of the strain on their unique and individual body. And the examples that he gives are things like some people can't do work that requires too much sitting or too much standing. Other people can't handle overnight jobs where their sleep cycle is messed up. You could fill in with with modern examples in your own mind or examples that come uh, from your own lived experience. But the idea is that, that earn money in a way that does not bring harm to your own body. The second part is that we are to earn all we can without hurting our mind, or our soul. Wesley says that it is essential for the Christian to preserve the spirit of the healthful mind. And again, Proverbs speaks to this concept in chapter 1, verse 19, which Charlene also read, and I'm just going to quote a part of it. Such is the end of all who are greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its possessor. In Mark 8, verse 36, Jesus says similar words. He says, For what does it profit a person if they should gain the whole world but lose their soul? 
And so Wesley warned that we have to be aware of jobs that are contrary to the law of God or jobs that are contrary to the law of our country. And he said, yeah, I know there are businesses in which you can indeed earn a lot of money, but if they require cheating or lying or other deceitful practices, they're not worth it. He makes the same argument that there are, there are also jobs that might be hurtful to the souls of some, but that others could, could do without having an adverse effect on their soul. I want to give a modern-day example here from James Harnish, who reflects on Wesley's three simple rules in the book Earn, Save, Give. James Harnish uh, writes about one of his parishioners in a church that he served. And this particular person had struggled with an addiction to pornography. He worked installing cable television stations in hotel rooms. And this was going fine until the company that he worked for added porn movies to their options. And he struggled with his conscience. He knew how destructive pornography had been in his own life. And in the end, he ended up resigning and he found a new job because he knew that he couldn't continue earning money at the expense of his own soul. The next part of Wesley's rule of earning all we can is to earn all we can without hurting our neighbor. And this comes from that great commandment that Jesus lifted up, that we must love our neighbors as ourselves. Our lives are so interconnected in the modern day. Everything that we do, the work that we do, has the potential to impact even those who live half a world away, not to mention the neighbors in our own communities. And in Wesley's sermon, The Use of Money, he says, we cannot devour the increase of his or her lands, and perhaps the lands and houses themselves by gaming, by overgrown bills, whether on account of physic or law or anything else or by acquiring or taking such interest as even the laws of our country forbid. So this third part of the rule is that Christians should not earn money by hurting our neighbor's body. And Wesley gives two examples from his own context. The first is the selling of spiritous liquors. Now, we might not perhaps see liquor as quite the evil that Wesley did in his day, but his argument was that liquor certainly had a place in medicine, but not in common life because of the way that liquor would often lead to addiction and destroyed bodies and lives and families. John Wesley also called out apothecaries of the day who sometimes played with the lives of people by giving maybe a slightly off diagnosis, maybe a medicine that would prolong the disease but allow one to live with it, so the person would have to keep coming back and purchasing the medicine. Sometimes apothecaries even did experiments on people they were selling the medicine to just to see what kind of effect it would have on their bodies. And Wesley said 
you can't earn money as a Christian by doing that. You're harming your neighbor's body. The very last part of that first rule is that a Christian should not earn money by hurting our neighbor's soul, whether that is directly or indirectly. And in his own day, Wesley asked those who offer entertainment to consider this when they're deciding what entertainment to provide in their taverns and opera houses and playhouses. He says that Christians should offer the kind of entertainment that builds up people's souls, not that destroys people's souls. But because money is so essential for our lives, it's essential that we take care of our bodies and souls and the bodies and souls of our families, of our neighbors. It's imperative that we talk about money, how to get it, and what to do with it. And Wesley emphasized that the Christian must meet the people of the world in their own arena of earning money, but do it with their own unique spin. There is a story that James Harnish tells in his book, Earn, Save, Give, that kind of sums up, I think, this rule on money. Earning all you can. Harnish tells the story of a high school valedictorian named Jim Lugo. Now, Jim was giving a speech to her fellow graduates, and in the midst of it, she gave them an important lesson about money. Here's what she says, get money. That's an important message for a high school graduate to hear, isn't it? Get money. You can't do anything without money. Do something with your life where you're able to have a steady, reliable source of income. And then she goes on to add something that I'm sure made all the parents cheer. She said, gamers, I'm sorry, but farming for gold in the world of Warcraft video game is not considered a reliable or socially acceptable form of income. I see a few smiles out there. I'm sure there were parents applauding that part of the speech. But Jim, without even knowing it, was channeling John Wesley's first rule on money. Get money. Gain all you can. Go earn as much as possible, but do it without harming your body or your soul or your neighbor's body or soul. Just outside the worship space, and you might have seen this when you came in, there are some sheets of paper that say, earn, save, and give. There's a quote from John Wesley and a question for each of those categories. And you're invited to participate over the course of this series in a communal brainstorm to share your ideas and tips about how you do these things in your own life. How do you earn money? What are the practices that help you to save money? And how are you intentional in giving money to do good in the world? So you're invited to stop there by those sheets and to um, add your own ideas, but also to read the ideas of others and maybe get some inspiration about practices that you can change in your own life. In addition, you're invited to begin praying now about that amount that you might pledge to support the ministries of CHUM, to give to the ministries of CHUM in 2020. And there are pledge cards available in the church office. You're invited to take one, to fill it out, 
and bring it back to worship on Sunday, November 24. My friends, it is important for us to talk about money in church. And financial wisdom is not a contradiction of faith, but in so many ways an expression of it. And I want to end by sharing a vision that John Wesley had about what money in the hands of Christians can do in the world. This is what he says. So it's in Old English, all right? Listen closely. But in the present state of mankind, it is an excellent gift of God. Money is an excellent gift of God. Answering the noblest ends. In the hands of God's children, it is food for the hungry, drink for the thirsty, raiment for the naked. It gives to the traveler and the stranger where to lay his head. By it, we may supply the place of a husband to the widow and of a father to the fatherless. We may be a defense for the oppressed, a means of health to the sick, or ease to them that are in pain. It may be as eyes to the blind, as feet to the lame. Yea, a lifter up from the gates of death. This is what money in the hands of Christians, can do. Earn all you can, so that you can save all you can, so that you can give all you can. Use the money you earn to do good in the world. Thanks be to God.